I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. In today's bonus show, I'm thrilled to have Martin Whitaker, CEO of Just Capital and a great friend of Purpose 360, return to the show to give us his impressions of the recently completed Davos. This year, the theme was cooperation in a fragmented world. We're going to hear from Martin. What was the conversation about climate, technology, and AI? But most importantly to Martin is the issue of it's not just about talk and that he feels optimistic that companies are discussing ways to advance um, decarbonization, to advance technology for good, to take action. Because it's one thing for these CEOs and civil society groups and others to meet in the mountains of Davos every year. It's a whole nother thing for them to take action, to form and forge, indeed, a just society. So join me. As always with Martin Whitaker, it's a great conversation. Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and I have perhaps of my top handful of favorite guests that I ever have on the show, Martin Whitaker, who is the CEO for Just Capital. And we're going to chat today about, it's it's right after Davos, and we'd love to chat with, with Martin because he's you know, got such a profound view of the world and what's happening in terms of stakeholder-based capitalism. So we're going to have a chat today. So Martin, welcome back to the show. Hey, Carol. Great to be here. I uh, thank you for the introduction. I, I, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. You, you always make me smarter and wiser and uh, just thrilled to, to be a colleague of yours. So, so let's get started just a little bit for our, for our listeners who have not Listen to any of your podcasts because you've been on this show multiple times. Just give a little bit of background on who you are and who Just Capital is. Sure. So I'm the CEO of Just Capital. We're a, we're a nonprofit 501c3. We are, uh, gosh, nine years old, roughly. Um, time flies when you're changing the world. We, um, we essentially get big companies to be more just. And, and what that means is essentially driving uh, them to be better on the things that the, the public cares about. So we do a huge amount of public polling all around the country, what matters. We work with hundreds of big companies to help them improve on on the, 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 the public's sort of top priorities. And in doing so, you know, we think we're getting the private sector really targeted at um, – addressing some of the root causes of society's most pressing challenges. That's that's really the big idea. And, you know, this is your 10th anniversary in sometime this year. Coming up soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, we can't. Yeah, we can't wait to, to see what you're going to be doing. So we'll have you back to discuss that. So so let's just talk about Davos. Um, This year, the theme was cooperation in a fragmented world. I know that you didn't go, but there was a lot of just capital woven in to the event. 
the last time you were there, can you just give a little teeny tiny bit about what was it like then? And then, of course, COVID interrupted all of our lives. And then we'll talk about, you know, what was the mood like at Davos this year? And then what some of the themes? It was interesting. We were last there in January 2020. And that was, if you will, the the apex of this sort of overall idea of stakeholder capitalism. Um, it was everywhere. It seemed like, you know, the the, the creation of a of a sort of a manifesto, I think, which is how World Economic Forum put it, um, for stakeholder leadership. And, uh, you know, it was real buzz and excitement. And in the middle of, <clears throat> I remember being there, in the middle of the, the event, um, people started talking about this this weird uh, coronavirus coming out of China. But you, you sort of hear those things, and then you come home and you get on with your life. And, of course, the world completely changed. And not only did it change in terms of COVID, it, I think, fundamentally shifted how people see this entire space, how they see the role of the private sector. It shifted, continues to change the relationship between companies and the stakeholders. Uh, It's uh, also, um, over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot more divisive politics, a lot more divisive or a lot more division in society. Uh, and in the last six months, obviously, in this in, in the U.S., a major pushback on all things ESG, stakeholder, and woke. And so I would say between the last time we were in Davos and now, which was the first January Davos since 2020, um, it, it, the, the entire uh, landscape has fundamentally shifted. And I think this idea, the theme you mentioned, cooperation, I mean, that's very aspirational, isn't it? You know, everybody would seemingly want that. Um, but I'm not sure that's happening in practice. So it's, it was a really interesting moment to sort of compare January 2023 with January 2020. It feels like it's gone by in the blink of an eye, but the world has, has totally shifted and changed in that period. Just Capital did have engagement at Davos, albeit you weren't there. Can you talk a little bit about just what did Just Capital do on site? Well, our media partner is CNBC, and they had a major presence there. So, you know, I was sitting here on my on my couch at home early morning watching Squawk Box, and almost every morning in Davos they were interviewing a Just 100 CEO. And during those interviews, they'd be flashing up these scorecards that we produce uh, to show how companies were performing on, you know, climate, uh, worker-related issues, community-related issues. And the interviews, uh, in many cases, touched on that and touched on the company's leadership in our rankings and what they're doing to uh, improve their performance you know, across the things that we measure. So it felt like, at least from my vantage point, we were certainly there visually like that in terms of the, the, you know, the discussions that CEOs were having. And I, you know, also got a lot of feedback from our, our many friends out there, which uh, I'm sure many of whom you'll know, Carol, that, you know, the idea of business stakeholder leadership, the brand of just as a, you know, real strong forcing function in that was present in, in, in a lot of the uh, private conversations that happened in Davos. So it's gratifying, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll be back again. 
And, um, you know, I think these issues are not going away. So, again, let's put a framework together. The major changes since 2020 in the issues that you are supporting are what? I think the biggest issue is people are tired of talk. They want action. I think trust has dissolved a bit since then. I mean, Edelman releases trust barometer this year, as they do every year at Davos around this time. And, you know, they say business is the most trusted institution. I don't think no reason to dispute that. But I think overall, our trust in information, our trust in the sources of news that we get, I think it's really decreased. And so that goes for corporations' performance on on climate and stakeholder issues. You see that in the, you know, in just in the national dialogue here and certainly in the political pushback. So what are companies actually doing? Not, not what they say they're doing, but what's the plan? How do you know that a company's really in a leadership role? So I think that's one of the big, one of the big differences. Okay. So let's just cut to the chase. How do you know that the, that there's a plan and the plan is making progress? Well, you need, Better data, obviously. You need to be able to ask the right questions. Um, I think one of the things that shifted over the last few years is we see a much greater emphasis on worker-related issues. Uh, it's not surprising. Gone through COVID, post-George Floyd, we've had economic lockdown, reopening. You know, people's lives have been upended. And uh, inflation has made things worse, not better for many people. So, I think this idea of companies looking after their workers, that has been, you know, much more um, in the in the front seat. And if you look at the data, Carol, like we we track what changes companies are making on all the things that we measure. You can see right there, you know, the number of companies that have lifted wages over the last few years has more than tripled. You see companies being much more open and transparent in what they're disclosing around things like pay equity and paid family leave and things like that. Double-digit percentage increases in companies engaging with their workforce and making those kind of changes you know, across the criteria that I mentioned and, and other areas too. Advancement of uh, board and senior leadership diversity in many, many companies. So I think we've seen real change in actual performance. The issues themselves have changed. And, you know, I think people want to see that. They want to see, okay, tell me what you're doing. Show me what you're doing. Give me the information. Be transparent. Even if the story's not perfect, I'd rather have that than, you know, silence or some narrative where everything's rosy. So when you had those CEOs that were just CEOs on CNBC, what were the major areas that they were discussing um, of importance at Davos? Inevitably, at Davos, the conversation for U.S. audiences turns to politics because we tend to see now ESG and stakeholder leadership through a political lens. That's sort of the, you know, the way it's it's being served up. And I think every company that I saw interviewed and every company that I'm in touch with now, they don't see it that way. They they actually just focus on this this what is good for business, you know. Creating value for my workforce, creating value for the communities where where we operate, that's just good business. So people are not interested in politics. They're really interested in where does the rubber hit the road? Our, our chair, Paul Jones, did an interview 
recently when we launched the 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 new rankings uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is immediately prior to Davos, and the real focus of the questions and the thrust of the conversation was how does this relate to financial and market performance? We are getting that more and more. I think people used to sort of assume generally that companies doing the right thing were, you know, doing well by doing good. How many times have we heard that in our careers? Okay, show me the numbers. Show me exactly what's happening. And we have those numbers. So, I, you know, I can talk about them at great length, but the market performance, the financial performance, accounting performance, what is the business case? And how do I, as a CEO, make the decisions that really drive our performance in that in that direction? And I think that's really a very welcome discussion. I mean, you and I have been in this game long enough where you know, it used to be great just to talk about all the good things you're doing. People would believe you. You didn't have to provide that much information. Trust me, I'm on it. And, you know, you tell a good story. It's It's all good. Uh, that's no longer the case. You have to have real data connected to the business case. You have to drive effective communication so your stakeholders actually trust you. And, you know, you've got you've to keep at it. It's like any part of business strategy. You don't just do it overnight. You don't just do it on, like, Tuesday mornings. You do it all the time. Sure, all the time. So let's talk specifically about one of those ESNG issues, E as the environment. Because there was a lot of discussion in Davos about climate and and fascinating that despite whether you looked at the glass half full or half empty, that there were many CEOs um, that just said, we are going full bore against decarbonization. This is absolutely critical. So what do you think about that as one of the key themes from Davos? I, I think that it's... Uh, totally appropriate. You know, if you see, if you think climate change is a hoax and there's nothing happening, I'm not sure you're paying attention. But most importantly, you're you're really at business risk. And so, almost every company nowadays, and certainly those who, you know, have global operations that have been really doing the work to to look at climate not as simply an environmental issue not as a political issue, but as a business issue, as an economic issue. Well, no, I, 20 years ago, I worked at Swiss Re, the world's biggest reinsurance company. We saw climate as an economic risk. It's a business issue that we had to position for. We have to think about in terms of what does it mean as a, as a liability, as a business liability, as an, you know, could you insure against the effects of climate change? It's all a clear business economic issue. And so, if you're a good business leader, it's absolutely your duty to think about climate through that lens. What are the risks we might face? How might the world adapt to those risks? How do we think about adjusting um, in terms of the, the, the transition that is happening to a low and then ultimately a no carbon economy? How do we, de- how do we decarbonize the economy? That's going to create a huge amount of opportunity. Many CEOs that I've interviewed over the years talk about contracts they are winning around the world on the basis of the low-carbon strategy. And so I, I, I think it's a massive business issue, and that is the framework that business leaders at Davos this year and, and, and throughout other meetings and other uh, business venues 
that's the framework that business leaders see it. And I, I, I think that is, that is exactly right. And, and also authenticity, you know, it comes back to like, are you really walking the talk? How do you know that all these future commitments you're making, how do you know you're on the right path? You know, how do your stakeholders know that you're on the right path? There was an Edelman survey out last year that indicated that many investors don't believe the companies um, are on the right path or, or, or can meet their future targets for net zero. So there's a lot of work to be done just to show that companies not only have a handle on this as a business risk issue, but the actions they're taking are going to capture the opportunities and manage the risks in front of them. Also discussed as a theme was technology and especially AI. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have engaged with chat GPT. Have you had a chance to do that yet? No, no, not yet. Some, some of my team have. We've been trying to figure out what does it mean for just. I, you, sh- you should do, try it on your own because it, it's going to give you a sense of what it can and can't do. Um, and at some point, you, I, you know, when I use it and, and I've trialed it a lot, um, to get, you know, background and data and examples. And then you have to check it because some of it's wrong. But it, at times I want to go, wow, that was great, you know, because you get it instantly. And, you know, I say you rock and it, it responds back to me. I'm a machine. I have no emotion, <laughs> which, which, which I think is pretty funny. But did you hear any of your just companies talking at all about AI and machine learning? Well, only in the context of AI and what it means for jobs you know, what it means for the future of employment. You know, I think we've we've had frequent conversations with companies, uh, not just tech companies, but, you know, big sort of consumer-facing businesses that, that employ a lot of people. You know, what does it mean for the future of work? You know, how, how does it affect how we think about training? Mm-hmm. It, you know that we are led by the public on a lot of this, so we... It, I, it, it's, it's a huge issue. It's Again, it's a bit like climate. It sort of affects everything. And figuring out, okay, how is this going to create, you know, what does this mean in terms of a, building a just economy or a just society, which is our mission? You know, how can it help and, and how can it uh, hurt that? Did you get a sense from the interviews with your just CEOs about, you know, how were they feeling about the mood um, at Davos? Well, I think they felt pretty good. I think most most of the interviews I've seen, most of the conversations I've had with folks who were there would suggest that it felt like it was a little more rooted in reality. As I said, I think there's been probably an increase in in cynicism. Perhaps um, you know, business leaders need to be are a little more in touch on on issues um, with different stakeholders. So I think my sense was that that the conversations were much more rooted in reality and uh, it was much more concrete and tangible in terms of, okay, how do we get this thing going? Our, our, our number one CEO in the rankings, Brian Moynihan from Bank of America, you know, talked very eloquently about, you know, the need to, to sort of take action. Obviously he's leading with WEF this effort to create much more streamlined set of metrics for businesses um, and, and I think that's, you know, we were anxious to see progress on that. So it sort of seemed to me like it was, it provided a much more concrete roadmap uh, for companies who are on that journey. And I'd love to, um, to, to explore a little bit about trying to get a global set of standards for ESG reporting. 
I know a group came together, I think a year ago at Davos with a lot of the leading um, accounting firms and consulting firms trying to come up with one standard. And it sounds like Brian Moynihan is also interested in that. What's the progress on that? Well, it's mainly been coming out of Europe, <clears throat> ISSB. It seems to be uh, moving forward, you know, like a ocean going liner slowly, but surely it's, ca- it's, you know, it's gathering support from other nonprofits, other accounting agencies and bodies, it's also making progress in specific issues, obviously carbon accounting or climate and carbon disclosure and climate disclosure was a major issue. There are lots of com- competing interests there, but that seems to be aligning now. So I think it's very, it's, it's, it's happening. And I also think that companies gonna, are going to be required to disclose in different parts of the world on a much more standardized basis over the next, you know, 24, 48 months. So it's really uh, the big question is in this country in the US how does that play out you know you've got the SEC pushing for disclosure in certain issues, on certain areas we've had a change in power in the house so what does that mean for corporate disclosure you know inevitably there are going to be more hearings right now on ESG you see more states pushing back on companies that are you know taking positions on climate and ESG, but I don't know if you've been seeing this recently, but it seems as though even Republican sort of led states and other organizations are pushing back on this idea that we should regulate the market so that no ESG can take place, because that is itself is anti-market. Anytime you constrain the market as to what it can and cannot do, what it must and mustn't say or do, you are, you know, putting your finger on the scale, you know, you're, you're, that is anti-free market. So it's really interesting to me how I think where we end up here is a situation where businesses will have to figure out internationally, how do we make sure we're adhering to sustainability standards and disclosure and reporting requirements? And then domestically, you know, how do we continue to disclose what we're doing, report on progress, report to investors, or whatever the SEC wants us to do, but really drive it, you know, bring it back to um, this is what's good for business. This is what's good for America. And, you know, we're all about problem solving and uh, and growing the market. And we're not about politics. So I, it, it's very complex, but that's that's the way things are as I see them right now. And how about just anything else you want to add about your, you know, your point of view on uh, Davos 2023? Well, it was good to see everybody back there. I just think it focuses some conversation on things that matter. You know, anything that does that is important. You know, I think it's it's easy to be cynical about business leaders gathering in a, in a you know elite Swiss mountain village uh, to talk about the problems and the ills of the world. But in my mind, you got to get the private sector focused on solving our greatest challenges. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. And like everybody else, that happens more effectively when you're in person together talking about it. And it's efficient. You can set up a, you can set up a lot of meetings. I it's interesting because the Economist Intelligence Unit said is the star of Davos has it waned. So we, so we will just see. But I want to just flip this. I want to just give you the last uh the moments. What are the uh two or three most important things you're going to focus on for Just Capital in 2023? We are really focused on on the companies this year we we are telling the story of of our own impact 
which is really the story of corporate America's impact on stakeholder value creation. What are they actually doing to build a more just society? So we're going to be focused on that. We're going to be doing a lot of work to really bring that out so that people can see the concrete, tangible changes and the benefits and the outcomes that are happening as a result of that. That's number one. Number two, which is related to that, um, a real push to lift up the just brand. You know, I think this idea that uh, that we stand for, which is really building a movement that is is created by what Americans want. You know, what what they want companies to do. That itself is very powerful, and I think now is the time for us to lift up that brand. So we'll be spending a lot of time, hopefully elevating our brand. And again, through that, amplifying the voice of the American public as to how to, how to create, you know, a, a business and a market environment that, that works for more people. That to me, if we can get those, those things done, we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be in a better spot. And those will be wonderful for your 10th anniversary. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I want to thank you for your time. You're always um, incredibly insightful and um, your dedication to creating a more just society in business and for employees and for communities is just commendable. So thank you so much. And we're going to come back to you once you decide what you're going to tell us about your 10th anniversary. Thanks, Carol. Really appreciate it. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.